and welcome back to another episode. My name is Jo, I am a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor here to smash the taboo of binge eating. And today is a really interesting one because today I'm going to be talking about a whole other taboo subject and that is the subject of loneliness. Just like binge eating, I think I could talk about loneliness for days. They are two of my favourite subjects, especially because they are so interwoven together. They are similar in so many ways. Firstly, they are both way more common than is reported. And I guess that's just the nature of a taboo subject, right? And a lot of people will feel lonely at some point in their lives. Maybe even everybody will feel lonely at some point in their lives. And that's just like how a a great proportion of people will feel disjointed from their relationship with food at some point in their lives, even if it doesn't result in a full-blown diagnosed eating disorder. Today, I'm going to touch on the misconception that loneliness is only an elderly person's issue. Although, of course, I completely appreciate that it is a a very important issue amongst older people. And then I'm going to share some insight into common challenges faced by people who live alone or who eat a lot of their meals alone. And stick around till the end. I'm going to be reviewing one of the best books I have read about harboring a healthy relationship with food. It's called Secrets by Ellen Satter and it is gold. So stay tuned to the end. So you might be wondering, aside from being quite similar, what do binge eating and loneliness have in common? And the answer to that is a ton. As I've talked about in previous episodes, loneliness is one of the key triggers for binge eating. And that doesn't mean simply being alone. Remember, you can feel lonely even if you are surrounded by people. Loneliness can mean the absence of meaningful social connection, but it can also mean feeling a bit lost from yourself. So loneliness is powerful enough to drive you to binge eating. So if I said to you to think of the picture of loneliness and mealtimes, what would jump into your mind? I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about loneliness and mealtimes, I think about our elderly population. Even without a global pandemic, social isolation in the elderly and the impact on food intake has been well documented in research. Social isolation in older people has been found to increase the risk of malnutrition, which, by itself, is associated with an increased risk of morbidity, mortality and hospital admission. In fact, a Japanese study of over 17,000 men and 19,500 women aged above 65 found that eating alone may be a risk factor for depression all by itself. That's after adjusting for things like socioeconomic status, physical health, nutritional status. Just eating alone could be a risk factor for depression all by itself. This is a very real problem for our elderly and I have no doubt that the pandemic has exacerbated it to another level. But the thing is, and this isn't spoken about as much, loneliness doesn't discriminate on age. There was a UK study done called the Loneliness Experiment. It was undertaken in collaboration with the BBC, the University of Exeter, University of Manchester and Brunel University of London. It was a huge study of over 55 thousand people. And guess what? The age group most likely to report that they were feeling lonely were the 16 to 24 year olds with 40% reporting that they felt lonely. 
and that compared with just 27% of adults over 75. So this is an extremely prevalent problem and concern in the younger population. Eating and loneliness are intertwined because eating is a social experience. You are born in this world dependent on somebody else to feed you. So firstly, you could survive and then thrive and grow. Then a number of months later, you learned how to eat by watching and observing your parents, caregivers and siblings. As time went on, you learned about social norms in your culture, like when to use cutlery, when to eat with your hands, how to behave at the dinner table. But nowadays, many of us are choosing to live alone or, as I mentioned, thanks to the pandemic, you may be forced to be eating your meals alone because you're no longer in the office where you're surrounded by your colleagues. You're working from home and you've nobody else in the house with you. If I've just described you and you do live alone or you eat a lot of your meals alone, you may be less likely to pay attention to feeding yourself versus if you were tasked with feeding a family. And I get it. Feeding yourself means some level of preparation or cooking or shopping. And all of that takes so much effort and so much time. And it can be easier just to say, nah, I'm just not bothered and proceed to survive on crackers and hummus. I've been there, so there's absolutely no shade. But the thing is, even if you are by yourself, that means you are a family of one. And a family of one is a family. So if you have noticed that you don't prioritize feeding yourself, I'm going to share some insight today into common challenges that I come across in my practice and you can see if any of them resonate with you. The first scenario, and personally I can totally relate to this, is that you might go for hours and hours without food or again without much food because you've just survived on crackers and hummus all day and then at some point your fuel tank hits an all-time low and the hanger aka angry hunger, sets in. And at that point, you feel like you could actually eat somebody. You are that hungry. You're even starting to shake, maybe even feeling like a little bit faint. You are so hungry. And what happens at that point? All element of civilized eating goes out the window and you end up eating a larger amount of food than you normally would. And there may be feelings of out of control and an element of distress with that. And what have I just described there? That is the description of a binge. So after this day of not feeding yourself meals and surviving on snack foods or not eating at all, it accumulates into a binge. And you might be very quick to diagnose yourself as somebody who is struggling with binge eating. But on reflection, you didn't eat over the course of the day. If this resonates with you and you have detected that, yeah, you have this pattern of not eating for the day and then having a quote unquote binge at nighttime, think about altering your attitude to consider yourself as a family of one. And a family of one is a family. How would you feed your partner or your daughter or your son or your mother? Think about the things that you would do for them if you were tasked with feeding them and apply them to yourself. Begin with making sure that you have access to food throughout the day and enough food throughout the day. That is the best place to start. Once you have tackled that and you are giving yourself enough food throughout the day, 
Think about what kind of foods you are eating. Being alone is not an excuse to eat foods that you don't like. In other episodes, I have spoken about the importance of choosing foods that you'd actually like to eat. But let me ask you this. Why is it that you put a million times more effort into a meal when there's other people to feed or you have a guest over? Now, of course, I know there are hundreds of other factors to consider here, like money and time. And I'm not suggesting for a second that every meal has to be a gourmet experience. But I invite you to look at your attitude towards feeding just yourself versus feeding others. Why is it that you don't cook your favourite dish for you, but you wouldn't think twice about it if you were making it for a guest? Perhaps, and feel free to fight me on this one, but maybe you don't believe that you are worthy of having it just for you. On some level you feel you don't deserve it, but somebody else does. If that's how you think, I don't blame you. There is research to suggest that approximately half of Americans feel guilty after eating foods that they like. And as Ellen Satter put it in the book I'm reviewing at the end of today's podcast, enjoyment of food and reward from eating are essential. So finding pleasure in your eating experience is important to having a healthy relationship with food. Okay, so you've given yourself enough to eat and now you are having foods that you actually like, I challenge you on the next step is to think about taking yourself out. And yep, I mean going out to a cafe or a restaurant, going out and enjoying even just a coffee by yourself out and about. And of course, if eating out is not your thing, then that's totally fine. Of course, you don't have to do this. But I'm talking here to you if you find that you are missing out because you feel you can't go to a cafe or a restaurant just for the very reason that you are alone and you feel that you may be looked at or people will think you're weird. I'm so pleased that it has become way more socially acceptable to dine out alone. The Bookings website Open Table reported in 2019 that reservations for one had increased in the UK by 160% since 2014. Pre-pandemic, you could sit at the bar or you could sit at a communal table in some restaurants and fingers crossed that they will be back once the pandemic is over. I personally loved to eat out alone now, but it wasn't always that way. One of the first times I went to a restaurant by myself, there was nobody to greet me at the door. So I just went straight to a table and sat at a table that was set up for two, but I was by myself. And I waited for 15 minutes before the waiter approached me with the menu and said, oh gosh, sorry, I thought you were waiting for somebody. So I gave myself a good talking to and I said, you know what, who cares? I'm not going to miss out on doing things I want to do just because I'm alone. Eating out can be daunting in the beginning when you're by yourself, but it does get better and it can be a very empowering and confidence boosting experience. And more than that, it can be a very enjoyable experience. And you know what? You should see people's face drop when you tell them you've just been out for a meal by yourself and you had a lovely time. However, of course, I have to just take a moment to appreciate that I am in a body that isn't stigmatized by society. And I don't have to worry about if the seating arrangement is going to be appropriate or if I'll be stigmatized just because my body isn't culturally accepted. If you would like to be somebody who dines out but you're wary or unsure, my advice is to take baby steps. Even just going out for coffee and taking a book with you. 
or if you feel ready for a restaurant, you could research one in advance um, and choose one that you like the vibe of. And most importantly, that you like the food. Because that's one of the best things about dining out alone is that you get to decide what kind of cuisine you go for, what you order, and you don't have to take into account anybody else's preference. If it's your thing, order a glass of wine, sit back and people watch. And remember that reservations for tables for one have skyrocketed in the last five, six years. So although you feel like a bit of an alien in the beginning and you feel a bit weird, it is becoming the norm to dine out alone. And I think that just because you are alone, you shouldn't have to miss out on experiences like going to cafes and restaurants. Just to finish up, even just noticing that you feel lonely around your meals is a total game changer. And I know that you might not be able to do much about it, but play around with what feels good to you. Some people like to watch YouTube videos or listen to podcasts when eating. And there's a trend that originated in Korea called mukbang, which is basically videos of the creator eating a meal, usually a pretty big meal, and other people just watch along. And people find comfort in that and find that it makes them feel less alone in their own eating experience. And you might say, yeah, but they tell me not to use my phone or watch TV as I'm eating. I should be present and be mindful and just be eating my food without any distraction. And what I say to that is, yeah, if that works for you and you're comfortable doing that, then go for it. I'm happy for you. But for a lot of people, that's a really uncomfortable experience. And it's okay to rely on things like YouTube and podcasts to make you feel a bit more included as you eat. So just a shout out to you that it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's human nature because meals are and always have been a social experience too. When I work with clients, sometimes we even have a snack together. And although it's all over Zoom, it's still a soothing and a comforting experience. All right, so just to recap on those couple of things. Firstly, make sure that you're eating enough food throughout the day and that will keep the hanger at bay. Number two is to make sure that you're eating food that you actually like and don't keep all your amazing dishes that you like to prepare for other people Don't keep them for just other people. Make them for yourself too. And number three is if you are somebody who likes going to cafes and restaurants, don't put off doing it just because you are alone. You can go out and still have an enjoyable time, even if you are just by yourself. And sometimes it's even better because you get to choose what you eat, how long you stay for and exactly how the evening goes. Right. So that brings me to the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would be so grateful if you could rate and review me on iTunes. I'm just trying to get the word out of the podcast as much as possible. And I'm going to leave you now with my 30 second cereal box book review, which is called Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family by Ellen Satter. So I'm going to leave you with that and I'll see you in the next episode. Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family, How to Eat, How to Raise Good Eaters and How to Cook is a book by registered dietitian Ellen Satter. This book is a must if you've ever wondered how you can raise your children to have a healthy relationship with food themselves and to not fall down the diet culture hole. I found a third of this book absolutely gold. There's another section that's all about recipes and how to cook, which I didn't find too useful, but you might. And even if you are just a family of one, this book will show you how to harbour a healthy relationship in your home, even if it is just you.
This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice, and it does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. Listening to this repost episode of the Binge Eating Dietitian podcast, if you didn't know already, I am taking some time away from the podcast in 2023 so I can focus on smashing binge eating in other ways. I am doing a doctorate degree. I'm doing a doctorate of education degree in the realm of binge eating. And as you can imagine, it's taking some of my time and attention away from other pursuits like the podcast. I am keeping in touch with you on my mailing list though. So if you go to the link in the show notes now, you'll see a link there that says get your binge free week checklist. When you sign up to get the checklist, you will be added to my mailing list and I'll keep you posted on how things are going over there. And I'm sharing all of old episodes because they are full of wisdom about binge eating that I know that you need to hear. So, so please keep listening and I'll chat to you soon over on my mailing list. Make sure you head to the link in the show notes now and sign up to get your free checklist to have a binge free week. And then you'll get my regular emails after that. Until then, please take care of yourself.